for, Roy. Just knock it on. You know something, I make an ego. I put some tin in it. This is everything, ain't it? This is the choice it comes down to. This is our immortality. This is the last ball you got in the bag, Roy. You get this one wet, we're disqualified. I can make it across. Well, then do it. Let's be the right club. Be the right club today. All right, so I'm pretty sure, despite your best efforts, I'm going to win today. Okay, it's on. Bandon Dunes hosted the USAM last week. We'll have champion Tyler Strafacci join us at 940 this morning. Do you want to go out there and make the trek to play that course out in Oregon? (sighs) You know, I'm watching the amateur last week, and I'm like... This is one of those courses where it's fun to look at, but I don't know how, I mean, I mean it, it, would it be fun to play? Yes, but it'd be also very annoying because it's one of those places where it's really weather dependent, like how tough it is. And it looks like most of the landing areas for your tee shots, like you've got hundred yards or more mm-hmm. to get it, it, to fit it into but you could hit one, rifle one right down the middle of the fairway, and if it catches the right little knoll and it rolls and rolls and rolls, it goes into a bunker, and then you're hitting a lob wedge out like 20 yards. So I don't know. I mean, I, it's weird. I, would I – I mean, right now, if you are a resort guest at Bandon Dunes to play any of the Bandon, Pacific, Trails, Old McDonald, and Sheep Ranch, which is just weird names. Those are fun. Um, it's $295 oh if boy. you're staying there. If you're not staying there, the day guest is uh, $345. Well, you're probably staying there. I doubt there's many other options so, in that area. I mean, I paid $350 back in 2000 to play Pebble Beach. And that's Pebble Beach. At 7.20 in the morning. <laughs> Driving from San Francisco, and that was worth it. I don't know so much that this would be worth it. Would it be like if somebody said, hey, we're going to give you a package deal and send you out there to play? Oh, yeah, sure. Why not? But am I going to drop 350 you know, two times, like $700 to play a couple times out there, plus getting out there, plus staying? Probably not. And getting out there from the southeast. Yes, is not a fun trek. I mean, it's not only the plane fare, but the... Planes, trains, automobiles. Um, the uh, maybe you got to walk or catch a cab or Uber or thumb a ride or something to get to the golf course because it's nowhere near anything. It's a John Candy, Steve Martin movie yes. waiting to happen. But yeah, you got that four-hour drive from Portland. If you're in the southeast, we're blessed with a ton of good golf right here within driving distance of our homes. So if you're going to make that kind of effort, why not just go all out? Why not go over to Europe, go over to Scotland or something, and yeah. really live it up. To go all the way out to Portland, drive four hours, go to Bandunes, pay $400 to play around, however much to stay there. And maybe never see your golf ball, as evidenced <laughs> by the USAM when they had to stop play because of the marine layer coming in. <laughs> the real marine layer. Yes. Phil Mickelson didn't make the cut yesterday and immediately announced his Champions Tour debut next week. Will he win? Let's see. Phil said, I feel like coming into this event, I've been playing really well at home. I was excited to play, and I feel like I've been playing decent. Uh, I'm disappointed I'm not in the BMW. I feel like I've been playing well. And yesterday, opening 74 was really poor start to the tournament, and I'd like to continue in the playoffs. Yeah, usually when Phil says I'm playing really, really well, and the, the numbers and the data doesn't back that up, 
you have cause for concern. <laughs> I think what Phil's going to find out is how good these guys really are. Isn't that like somewhat the tagline, like either now or in previous years? I mean, look, Phil struggles putting. Phil struggles getting it in the fairway. What you're going to find when you go to the Champions Tour and tee it up against these old dudes is that, yeah, the courses are a little shorter and Phil dropping bombs on them is going to work out well from a distance perspective. But you know what? These guys, I don't know what it is, but they have so much fun. They can get it up and you know, up and down out of garbage cans. They make a ton of putts. They hit a lot of fairways. They hit it pretty long, some of them too. So I think he's going to find out that it's not quite that easy <laughs> when you hit it all over creation and can't make putts consistently. I don't think he's going to win out of the gate. I do. He'll win, but not out of the gate. I think he'll win out of the gate. Oh! And we got Jim Furyk just won the Ally Challenge. If you look at Phil's stats on the PGA Tour, driving, as you mentioned, has been the issue. The being on the Champions Tour will help rectify that issue. And what we need is we need Phil in the broadcast booth anyway for the game of golf. So if he can just go out there and tear it up on the Champions Tour, win a couple tournaments, just kind of show himself as not quite good enough for PGA Tour, but better than Champions Tour, what do I do? Head to the broadcast booth and get a new voice up there for the game of golf. <sighs> I don't know. That might it'll, it'll be interesting. It would be interesting. Um, can Phil translate the commentary when he hasn't played the golf course that day? It's it's a different animal. It you know, is when you've played it, you can say, "Oh well, I you know you hit it there and it's no good." But you know, do you is he willing to get out there and do the research like these guys do? I mean, you see That's Nick, a great point. you do see Nick Faldo out going around the golf course, and you saw Johnny Miller out going around the golf course and watching and throwing golf balls and doing all that stuff. Will he do that? And all know. the conversations during the week with all yeah. the other golfers, analysts, it's yeah. a lot of work. Women's Open Championship going on this weekend has not had an over-par winner since 1998. I was in eighth grade, 1998. Can it happen Easy. at Troon this week? Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's playing a little bit easier today. Uh, there are some scores out on the course that are under par. The Mel Reed is three under, finished, so 68, which uh, I believe is the low round of the tournament so far. Um, but here's what you look at. It all comes down to wind and weather. <laughs> here's some examples. 2018 at Royal Lytham in St. Anne's, 17 under one. In Royal Lytham in St. Anne's in 2009, minus three one. That's a 14 shot difference. If you go back to Royal Burkdale in 2014, the Mo Martin experience, um, where uh, sh short hitting, small in stature Mo Martin uh, might have been benefited by the fact that she was small in stature because the <laughs> winds were whipping for like f pretty much all four days. I mean, one under one at Burkdale in 2014, whereas in 2010, it was 11 under, and in tw 2005, it was 16 under. So what happens is that when the wind blows, and I mean, I was telling Bill before the show started that yesterday when I flipped on the Women's Open, yesterday morning, you know, it's, mi it's midday over there at that point, um, it was like raining, like pouring down rain. The wind was blowing 35. Oh, boy. And there was a couple of, I mean, Danny Holmquist, who I played with back a few years back on the Symmetra Tour here in the Symmetra Classic. I played with her in the Pro-Am. She's leading at one yes, under par. Is. And she played in the garbage yesterday. At least in the afternoon, it was a little bit nicer. But, I mean, you look at, like, you know, one of the hottest players on the absolute planet right now, Danielle Kang, 
was like nine over through like four <laughs> holes yesterday starting out. And Danny Holmquist was shooting like a one or two under par at that point in time. That's how tough it was playing, and that's how good Danny Holmquist played. So, yeah, I mean, it, there's certainly a chance, but I think the weather's supposed to calm today and tomorrow. So I think maybe sneaking maybe to three or four under par. And I agree with you. You got the leaders teeing off this afternoon. You mentioned Danny Sitting there at the leader spot, we also have Austin Ernst, Greenville, South Carolina native. Hasn't yes. won on tour since 2014, so there's a local rooting interest. And Sydney Clanton at plus five, I believe, so in tie for 21st, so good shape for her. Back to the men. Are you taking the field or the top five to win the FedEx Cup? I'm still taking the top five, Okay. Um, and I'm still looking at the top three of JT, Webb Simpson, and Colin Morikawa. Because despite the fact that, uh, you know, DJ went nutso yesterday and was 11 under through 11 holes and then just kind of sailed his way in. Hard. Um, JT is still number one, despite Dustin Johnson winning. So Dustin would move from 15 to two if he wins. So he would go into the top five. But the other ones, I mean, Morikawa is missing the cut. He's only dropping, projected to drop from two to four right now. Um, Webb Simpson is still at number three. Uh, Deshambeau, the the uh, the brand, the brand, um, will fall from four to five, and Sungjae M, who's five, will fall to seven. So I still think I'm going with the top three at this point because I think I think somehow JT Webb or Morikawa is going to win a playoff event, which means that one of them is going to either win next week or the actual tour championship. So I think that they're in pretty good shape for that. I'll take the field, man. Do you have since PGA Tour play has restarted? Do you know who leads the entire tour in strokes gained total? No, Daniel Berger, not in that top five. I'll ride that Daniel Berger train. I'll take John Rahm too. I'll take Dustin Johnson. Give me that field. Well, DJ, last time he won, he proceeded to shoot like two rounds in the eighties and a seventy-seven after he won for his next three rounds. So I don't necessarily put a whole lot of stock in DJ. <laughs> um, and um, Daniel Berger. Give me he, the burger. He needs to get over the I can't win a tournament hump. He struggles with that sometimes. And John Rahm, I don't know, man. It's just, um, it seems like. You look very perplexed when it comes to John I am. I am with him because he's won some, I mean, he hasn't won a huge event. He's won some big events, but it's just, it's uh, he's an enigma to me. Like, he can be going along, we saw it a couple weeks ago, he can be going along just fine, and then all of a sudden he'll hit like five shots in a row dead right. <laughs> I don't know. Last one here, NBA. Minnesota won the first pick in the NBA draft lottery. Which team needed it the most? You know, there. I always talk about college football and teams like Southern Cal and UCLA and Nebraska. Those are the teams that need to be good to make college football that much better. When you look at that from an NBA perspective, there's one team that really stands out at you that it's hard to remember. I mean, at least in the last five years, they've been hot garbage. And that is the New York Knicks. So they needed the first pick more than anybody else because the New York Knicks need to be good in order for the NBA to be good. There's some truth in that with TV ratings down. New York, Chicago, not mattering certainly is important there. For me, it's the Timberwolves. Did you know, according to our friends at 538, they've been the unluckiest lottery team ever since 1985. When you look at total number of picks, slots moved versus expectations, they've been the unluckiest. They were due. They also have D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, so perhaps they could build this into something. And locally, our Charlotte Hornets, man, snuck up to number three. It's widely considered to be a three-player draft. 
So for them to be at number three, whoever's available, let's go. Maybe it'll be um, one of those ball boys. They're saying no. They're saying the center. I saw Wiseman the, the, the center from out of Memphis. He yeah, could be available. I, uh, by the way, I can't take a ball number one. Really can't do it. <laughs> Sorry, because you I know what? You. I've told. I was uh, uh, totally against the Celtics, even considering the other one at two. This one's more mature, supposedly. That proved to be a good a good uh, call. So <laughs> anyway. Uh, 